Grow your law firm through intentional and strategic in-house marketing with Cassidy Lewis, episode 334. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and uh, today I'm joined with Cassidy Lewis. Cassidy is the Chief Marketing Officer for Cooper Hurley Injury Lawyers, located in Norfolk, Virginia, as well as their seven other locations. Uh, Cassidy is a marketing leader and strategist, understanding, managing, and experienced in nearly every facet of marketing and sales, communication, digital, social, referral, client experience, direct response advertisement, and several additional strategies. Wow, a lot of stuff we could dig into. (laughs) At Cooper Hurley Injury Lawyers, she uses her experience and education to further their marketing efforts by leading their marketing department. She has been at the firm for nearly five years and loves the legal marketing space. Thank you so much for having me, Moshe. I appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to have this conversation with us. Um, You know, sometimes we get somebody to talk about marketing, but usually they're a marketing vendor, right? They have, there's like an ulterior motive to getting here on the podcast with us. Um, But you're a CMO in in a law firm, right? You have, there's, there's, you're you're not going to get anything out of this other than sharing your time and knowing that maybe somebody is going to get help uh, from it. And I, I, you know, I really appreciate that genuine share uh, that you're bringing to the table today. And I'm excited for uh, hopefully a, a great conversation. Absolutely. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. All right. Now, before we jump in, um, I, I like to, to start with an easy question. But before I do that, just want to share a quick message with our listeners. Uh, folks, if uh, you've been trying to accelerate the growth of your firm and just don't find that it's doing uh, what you expected it to do. Uh, for some reason, you're, you're in the same place you were last year right now, or maybe even went backwards uh, and, and you wanted to move forwards. Uh, our coaches are standing by to have a conversation with you to help you unlock what might be getting in your way, what might be stopping you from achieving that success. Uh, and that coaching call is absolutely free. So if you want to take advantage of that, go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching, profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. All of the resources shared today will be on the show notes page of profitwithlaw.com as well as in your podcast uh, description, your podcast player. Uh, so you do not have to worry about taking notes and keeping track of the the various resources that we share with you. Just go to the resources section of the show notes page, and there you'll find the link that I'm sharing with you right now, profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. We'd love to have a conversation with you and see if we can help you unlock the success of your firm. Cassidy. Yes. Our listeners have no idea who you are. <laughs> And they would love to know more about you. So can you give us um, so the, the, the big picture of who is Cassidy Lewis? How did you come about um, a marketer, a marketing person in a law firm? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself so that our listeners get to know you. Sure. So uh, first, my family life, which is most important, 
is I am married to my best friend and I play mommy to a very, very busy six-year-old and even busier two-year-old. And so if anybody wants to babysit, please let me know. Um, as far as marketing, we'll, have, we'll put your we'll put your cell phone number in the show notes so that they right? can reach out to you and, right. and offer offer those babysitting services. Um, I love I love that you have a six year old and a two year old. I have a six year old myself. Mm -hmm. um, he just graduated kindergarten. He's going to yes. be going into first grade. Yes. And um, I don't have a two year old, but I have a seven month old. Uh, no, he's eight months now, an eight month old. Um, so. Uh, there's one, one one bringing up the rear right. uh, but i love this age is like the most perfect age um to have like both six and two like two is like there's they're just starting to do the fun things right. um and they're just starting to get a mouth and right. and, and <laughs> express their own opinion uh which is which only gets worse from here right, right. Uh, but and then the six-year-old is just they're learning so much they they seem like the most brilliant people in the world mm -hmm. by how quickly they pick things up and um and they're starting to turn into them their own personality and it's just it's such a wonderful beautiful age so enjoy every moment of that oh we are my husband and i are having an absolute blast they keep us very busy but we love every minute of it we do awesome so i interrupted you keep telling us about cassidy <laughs> you're fine so uh, as far as marketing and marketing career i have been how old am i okay another, okay so i've been marketing now in some facet for like for about the last 13 years i got into it um by doing campaigns political campaigns local political campaigns and it just grew from there um i ended up leaving um i was at northwestern mutual i was a marketing director there and starting my own marketing agency did that for a little while then wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and then got a call from cooper hurley injury lawyers that heard about me from a, another law firm and they asked me to come in and be their chief marketing officer I just thought it was so weird. I was like, they called me. I didn't put in a resume or do um, an application or anything. Had a few interviews. Loved just the interactions that I was having with the attorneys. Love. I love working and being around intelligent people. And went home, talked to my husband about it. And I've been here ever since. Um, and we're, we're having a blast doing all that we're doing here because it is a lot. That's awesome. What does your husband do? My husband is the assistant director of human resources for the city of Norfolk. <laughs> he I, works so, across the street. So I asked you this question because as you're telling this story, mm -hmm. I realized that you and I met in person very recently. Okay. What you were, you were in New York City for Craig Goldenfarb's uh, yes. million millionaire yes, seven figure attorney right. thing. And we had a whole conversation and you looked familiar when I saw you and I was like, I can't place it. I don't know where I met her. But as you're sharing your story, I was like, wait a second. I've heard this story before. And then I remembered that oh, your sure. husband was in was working for the city and he wants to get into politics, wants to run for yes. something. So, yes. Uh, so when I, I told your daughter this a, a little bit ago, she said, yeah, the podcast has been around for about three years. And I was like, no, I thought it's been around longer than that. I've seen it. You know, well, whatever. You guys have great marketing. I knew I saw you, but I thought it was just like in passing at a conference. But yes, now we were upstairs on the, on the rooftop. rooftop. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Moshe. Sharing, sharing drinks. <laughs> I didn't want to say that part, but yeah, that's. 
probably why it took us a minute. <laughs> well, it was weird because it was the second it was the second night. So we, we we didn't have like a designated area on the rooftop. Like the first night, there was like an area that was cordoned off for us. And then right. the second night, it was after dinner. We went back to to the rooftop and we went into an, an area that we thought like, oh, we're supposed to gather in here. And then we were sitting there having, you know, chatting. And then they were like, oh, everyone is actually over here. So right. we moved out from there. But um, anyway, so that's it. it Oh, what a small world. Okay, great. Um, it's a pleasure to to meet you again. This is it's so embarrassing to do this in public, right? You called it out. You could text. I did. I know. I know. I I thought about it before I even did it, and I said, you know what? Our listeners love this podcast because I don't hide things. It yeah. keep it real. Yeah. So it's okay. Like that that happens. This happens in real life, right? You meet somebody. Right. I actually had another guest yesterday who I thought that I had just seen at a conference, and I said, didn't I just see you? And it's just like at Max Lawcon, and she's like. Um, well, actually, I was at Max Lawcon last year, but I didn't go to this, this, this past one. So it's, you know, it works both ways. It's a, you know, our mind plays tricks on us. But listen, I'm human and, and right. I meet a lot of people and right. I, I, it's always a work in progress to remember right. people. And uh, but I definitely remember our conversation. And that's what triggered like, OK, we've we've definitely done this before. There's a little deja vu going on here. OK, so. I love this journey where they they found you. And I and I think that uh, I, did you ever ask them, like, like, what process did you go through to find me? Like, you know, because this is pretty incredible. Like when you when you're looking for an integral person in your firm to do something instead of putting out a job posting, go find that person. Right. right like right. get pan pick who you want to offer the job to um, having done your due diligence. So do you have any idea what I, process I they followed know. to discover you? Yeah, I do know. So a year before they called me, I actually interviewed with another law firm. Mm -hmm. um, I had just, I put out one resume, right. And um, got the interview. I was like, Oh, okay. Cause I was just at that weird space where I was like, do I want to stay at home? Don't want to go back. Don't want to go back to my marketing firm, which I sold the book of business. I'd be starting from scratch, you know, all those questions. And they had a, a, a good amount of interviews that came down to me and another marketer and the other marketer got the job. And so uh, they called me like, you did amazing. We, ju we just, it was just, you know, almost a vote or whatever it was. And so that was that. And then a year later, my boss, our managing attorney, Jim Hurley, put it out there to, to his group of um, attorneys. Uh, and I, it was actually great legal marketing. Um, which is an attorney marketing group, GLM, and said, hey, I'm looking for a marketing director. I don't think they put out a post or anything, but they wanted um, resumes of people that, you know, they knew. Mm -hmm. um, and the attorney said, yes, I have a girl. His name is Kellum. And it was crazy. I see him all the time. He's a great guy. He said, <laughs> I have a girl. She interviewed well. Her, she, her resume is amazing. All these things. And he called me, Jim, well, he had a paralegal call me to set up the interview, but it was just the irony of that. A law firm that I didn't get the job referred me to what's been the longest and, and best uh, place of business I've ever worked with or worked for. So yeah, that's how they found me. You know, it's, it's, there's no greater proof that every law firm needs to focus on referrals all the time because you never know who knows who and who knows what and when it's going to come up. And, you know, like 
just you need to have your name out there and you need to have people out there hitting the pavement for you. I know that this is not getting a client. It's even more important getting a staff member. Um, but you got to you got to always just believe that you know, this was you put in an application a year before. Right. This is a year later that the, right. that that initial effort is bearing fruit. Um, and it just goes to show that you never know what impression you're going to make that is going to ultimately drive something to you uh, that you might not have had otherwise. Right. Uh, so I really, I, I love that anecdotally and I love your story. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, but I do want to dive into your genius, right? Like clearly, you know what you're doing with marketing. Clearly you're good at what you do. Um, CMO role. A lot of our listeners don't have a CMO, mm. right? And the biggest confusion in the marketplace is that when marketers are selling you their bill of services, they're offering you what they have and what they have might actually not be the best thing for you. And the biggest challenge that our listeners have is navigating. Where should I be putting my marketing dollars? Where should I be putting my marketing efforts? There's so much out there. Like I can beef up my website. I can focus on SEO. I can pay for ads and can do pay-per-click. I can, I can do Facebook ads. Um, I can abandon all of that and focus on video and create, you know, and create a YouTube channel and, and do the, go the content route or what I'm doing here, a podcast. Um, or we can focus on social and try to grow our social organically. I just had an interview today, you know, so uh, folks, I batch record my interviews. Um, but two interviews ago, earlier today, I had Brendan Ruane on, Jay Ruane's brother. And yeah. that conversation was entirely focused on social media marketing and organically growing your, 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 your Facebook page or your social media presence. So the first question that I want to ask you is how should somebody who doesn't have a CMO, who doesn't understand all the different nuances, how do they know where to start? I have so many things to say about this. And it starts with the understanding that in the legal marketing space, like vendors, businesses know that lawyers make good money, right? And we're, we're, we're uh, an injury law firm, especially us. You know, we get large multi-million dollar settlements. They know what that means. So you, the attorneys just get almost attacked, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's not that they mean any harm, but you have these, vendors that just say, Hey, I can do it all for you. And it's not true. <laughs> right. Like, I think one of the things that I bring here to Cooper Hurley injury lawyers is that I've been a vendor essentially, right. I own, own a marketing agency. And so I know that it's impossible for a vendor to give any company the attention that they need because they have other customers. Um, but there are a few different starting points to figure out what type of if you don't have if you don't have a CMO don't have the ability to hire a CMO or a marketing director or even a marketing assistant, which I think that you should, but um, going with what you naturally do well, right? So if you shouldn't be hiring a company that does um, video marketing and you hate being on video, that's not that's not the space that you should be going in. You shouldn't be hiring a company that's going to do all your social media marketing if you don't if you hate social media and you don't plan to be a part of it. Any company that tries to sell you a social media 
uh, campaign and you're not at the forefront of it, you need to run. So I think like when you when attorneys or law firms start to figure out where I should be putting my marketing dollars, where do you like to be in marketing first? That's first, especially for the solos out there. That's first. If you um, really enjoy client services and referral marketing and things like that, focus your efforts there first. It's not that you won't branch out, right? Focus, focus your efforts there first. Um, and then start to look at the, the places where you're interested in or like to do, but maybe don't have the capability. So I, you know, hey, I really think we should have a website, right? I really think we should be getting some more internet leads, but you know that you don't know anything about SEO. Okay, we'll move on to a, a trusted vendor that handles SEO that's, please, that specializes in SEO. It should not be your TV ad company that also does SEO, right? But moving with a vendor that specializes in what you are looking for, I think um, is also a great space. So those are my two, right? Starting off with something that you actually enjoy, like, and will participate in. And then something that you don't have the capability to do. It's not, it's not your niche, it's not your thing. And making sure that that vendor specializes in that area and is trusted. I love that. I love uh, starting with something that you love, that you enjoy, that you actually would be dialed into. That's a really good piece of advice uh, for our listeners. And then obviously, um, you know, you want the vendor to be on board with that. So uh, if, if you're if you're not going to be running ads, don't go to a vendor that their primary business is running ads for businesses, right? Um, it just doesn't make any sense. So it might even be, you know, self-explanatory, but we need to spell it out because, you may not realize that the vendor you're talking to, that's their specialty. Um, and what you need to do is when you have these conversations is to just ask them straight out, like, what is your specialty? What are you known for? What is your, like your, what is the, the thing that you do for 90% of your clients? Right. Um, and if that's not what I'm looking for, that's the end of the conversation. Move on to the, to the next one. Right. You could ask them for a reference. You could say, hey, do you know a marketing agency who primarily does social media for law firms? Because mm -hmm. that's clearly not your bread and butter. And I don't want to waste your time with something that's not the right the right fit. But maybe you have a vendor that you do you send work to that you can send me to. Right. Um, so always ask for that referral, but, uh, don't, you know, don't make the mistake of, of going down, you know, deep into the conversation of what your needs are before you establish that this vendor is, does do what, what I need them to do. Um, now one thing that I've been, uh, pushing my clients, uh, to do before they even spend money on marketing, like even if you already have a marketing budget, you're already paying a, a marketing vendor. There's something that's a, a forget for forgotten trait, forgotten source of revenue, forgotten source of leads, and that's your own referral network. Um, and really focusing on your own referral network and not forgetting that even your competition is your referral network, right? Yes. Even like yeah. your your personal injury firm, there's a personal injury firm down the road who maybe they're conflicted out of a case, or yeah. maybe it's a case that's too big for them, or maybe it's a case that's too small for them. And if you have a relationship with them, they're likely to send that to you. And the same works the other way around, right? You have a relationship with them and now you have something you can't handle. You're likely to bring them in. You're likely to send it to them. So um, don't forget about <clears throat> all the, the referral side of it. Um, 
that's possible with and and there's there's three main referral partners right there's other attorneys there's other professionals who come in contact with your client so depending on what your practice area is well if it's injury then maybe it's chiropractors and doctors right if it's um if it's family law then maybe it's psychologists and and family therapists um but really hone in on that referral network of people who are the step before somebody needs to come to you uh who's going to be interacting with your client um and the third is your past clients your family and friends right um so let me ask you this Cassidy, in your firm, what are you, what, what is your marketing department doing proactively specifically around referrals? All of it, everything we possibly can. So you just said something that was so important that our, your competition can be your, um, be, be a referral source. I believe it was 2021. Our biggest case for the year came from our competition. Somebody 15 minutes down the road, that all they do is PI like we do PI, but we do railroad. A lot of attorneys don't do railroad. We do railroad, beautiful, huge referral check, huge referral check. So I'll talk a little bit about attorney referral marketing first. So um, we put, instead of just, hey, maybe I'll send you something, maybe you'll send me something. We really built a plan for attorney marketing. So much so that it's actually a separate document. The attorney marketing plan is a separate document because it is that 80-20 rule for the most part for our revenue, where 20, about 20% 20 of the cases are referred to by um, attorneys and they can easily make up 80% of the profit or the revenue for the year. Um, so one, we did some research around it. Who are our top referral partners? Who knows them in the office? Um, what type of cases are they referring to us? Are they actually opened? Or are they just intakes? Are they sending us, uh, we don't handle medical malpractice, for example. Are they just like chucking us all the crap? Um, and then we built several different campaigns. So uh, we have ads, we have LinkedIn ads. We have ads in our local uh, and statewide Virginia lawyer publications. We talk about the amount of referrals that we send out. We talk about the checks that we write. Hey. We just wrote, and this is the next one coming up. We just wrote a referral, an attorney friend, a $1.2 million referral fee check, right? Um, it's so funny because we started doing that and now all of our friends are doing it as well. But we, you know, we send out, we have a specific mailing plan and email plan, text campaign. We market to them almost like their clients. And I mean, with the level of due diligence. Mm -hmm. um, we... One thing that we did, one thing that I believe attorneys need uh, is more structure around how they're going to connect with their attorney friends. So we created something called Next Four, where, where look at the attorneys in your address book, maybe, or your phone book that you know, but haven't referred us a case or haven't referred us a case in years, or you want to build a, a better relationship with. And these four attorneys, are going to be the four that you pay attention to throughout the year. It might be a text message that you send that say, hey man, how, how are your six babies? Um, it might be them cutting out um, results out of the Virginia Lawyers Weekly and saying, great result. Uh, it could be, it could be, we're gonna go eat, we're gonna go get a drink. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be work-related. Um, one attorney the other day fixed a P 
PDF form for an attorney at whatever it is, but these are the four that you're going to connect with at least once a quarter. Um, I think giving them that structure helped so much. Um, we do some things too. Um, I tell them like where their aid, the marketing department. So um, one of those quarters, we sent all of the attorney friends a sweatshirt and a beer glass from the school that they graduated from. Um, we'll send them a cookout apron or, you know, little stuff. But the, the real building of the relationship definitely comes from the attorneys and those check-ins and those emails and whatever that looks like. Um, so that the attorney referral marketing takes up a, a good amount of our time, effort, and energy, and it's worth every bit of it. Um, as far as client referrals, we focus on, or database referrals just in general. Um, it's another space where we pay a lot of attention to. I'm a firm believer that uh, you hear a lot of marketing and advertising firms talk about your uh, unique value proposition, you know, your UVP, your USP, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I'm not mad at it, but I think the one thing that we have that no other injury firm has are our clients. That's the one thing we have. Like most people don't get in multiple accidents. Like, and if they do, they'd come back to us. Like that's our one unique thing. And we try our best to spoil them. Um, we focus a lot from the legal side on client experience. I have a director of client services here, um, but we have, uh, we looked at the full customer journey and we put in pockets of places where the marketing department reaches out for the legal team. So at three months, they get a movie night gift box, has movie candy, popcorn, and a blanket. And it says, you know, we know these past few months have been rough on you, take the night off. We get, I don't know how many thank you cards, text messages. Six months, we do a survey. It is by team, the survey is anonymous. The person picks their team and then talks good, bad, or in between. I will say for the first six months of this year, we have no one star, no, no one stars. So I'm excited about that. Um, at nine months, we sent a box of sunshine. Again, we looked at some research, like where are our clients starting to get antsy? Where are they starting to, you know, where's my money? What, what, mm -hmm. like, what, are, we, what are we doing? Uh, and again, that comes from the legal team. And then cases close around a year or so, but then like a year after, um, we send them what we call a settleversary gift. After, after we got in their settlement, I found out that from doing testimonials, clients that are in really bad accidents, especially, they remember that date, right? They remember the date they got in the accident. They remember the date that they narrowly escaped death. Mm -hmm. So we try to create celebration for the date that it was all over also like mm -hmm. we settled your case june 22nd 2022 a year ago we're just here to celebrate it we're just here to you know and all these things like some of them we ask for referrals in there but we don't always have to like we i do random check-ins with our vip clients like i call about 15 or 20 a month and i just hey need anything from us cassidy i know every time i get anybody that needs you but i have them call cooper hurley like they know whether we ask for it or not so we, we make some very concerted, very intentional efforts for, those are our two primary referral sources, those attorneys and then former clients. You know, I, I, I really love, I, I love so much about this. Um, and oh my gosh, there's so many different places to dive into. But first of all, let me just say, folks, if you haven't been taking notes, 
<laughs> I mean, there's just been so many ideas that uh, that Cassie just shared with you uh, um, that, I mean, really mind blowing. Have you read the book Get Referrals Without Asking by Stacey Brown Randall? I have not. So she she basically developed the system of establishing a relationship with somebody and then continuing that relationship throughout the year. Very similar to what you just laid out, where okay. basically you she identifies this idea of touch points and every touch point has a different value. Like an email to somebody is not as valuable as a gift to them. A right. gift to somebody is not as valuable as an in-person meeting with them. And basically what you want to do is, is you want to identify who your referral touch points are, who your referral partners are. And then you want to have a system to have these touch points throughout the year and you want to make it scalable so that you can enhance how, you know, who it's going to. So you want to have like your emails and your cards that you're sending out and your gifts that you're sending out. You want that to be personalized, but at the same time, something that you can do in mass, do it once and you knock out your whole list at the same time. And then there's the in-person stuff like that, that kind of stuff where it's a call or a meeting or, you know, a get together of some kind that that's a lot harder to do. You want to make sure you're, you're not putting too many of those on. Um, so I really love, I love that you're, you've got that, those four, I forgot what you call it. The, um, your four people, your four attorneys. Oh, next four. Next yeah, four. your next four. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of the next four. It reminds me of Russell Brunson's Dream 100 that he talks about, mm -hmm. um, where you identify the hundred, you know, clients you want to get or hundred businesses you want to get, you know, uh, do business with. And then you really focus on those hundred. I love that focused four because it allows you to have permission to not focus on the others. Right. And this way you have the opportunity to really develop that relationship with these four, which then naturally takes a life of its own. So the next year when you're focusing on four more, it's not like, oh, I'm forgetting about the other four. It's I don't need to focus on it as much. I can still continue that relationship. And because I spent a year on it, it's natural for me to just want to keep in touch and want to, nice. you know, so I don't have to do all that work again. Um, but then what you're doing with your clients with all these different reasons to send them something that makes sense and it's on a cadence and it's like very specific about how you're doing it. Um, I love so much about that. I love the thought that went into it. I love the, the, the structure around it, that it's systemized that you, that, you know, you're going to like clockwork, you're going to send this out and who doesn't like getting a gift. Right. 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 I mean, like I've, I've been on the receiving end. I mean, sometimes, and I'm not telling you to do this, but sometimes people are a guest on the show and all of a sudden a gift shows up a few days later, they sent me something. It was completely unnecessary. I don't expect it. I don't want it. I'm not sending them a gift for being on the show, although we should. Um, but, but at the same time, it feels nice to get a gift. Right. Even if half the gifts are, are something that's going to like, I've got some thing of chocolate on my desk that's got things in it, right? Send me chocolate without things in it. <laughs> but right. but it's still sitting on my desk, right? I'm not going to eat it, but maybe somebody else will come in here and eat it. Um, but you appreciate it. But I appreciate the fact that they thought about it, that they sent me something, that I got a box that I needed to open. Or more importantly, I got a box that my son came running in and said, Daddy, can I open this? And, you know, and, and he got to open it. Um, yeah. So it's, you know... All of these things, they're genius. And and one of the things I want to lean into is, you know, somebody who's sitting there listening to this, they're like, wow, this is really cool. But they're doing this because they have a CMO, right? 
you're a person, Cassidy. How did you come up with these ideas? Like what what can they do to start to think like you? You may not like my answer. You're going to say it wasn't you. <laughs> some of, a good majority, because some of them got started before I even had my team, but it's usually me on my team. I will say that my boss has given me that permission or that space. He's very much, he's very thank you oriented. When I got here, he said, I want to be known as a thank you firm. And I was like, huh? He said, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, but I want to be known as a thank you firm. I was like, what? And so that came with a lot of things. Like if you're a client, Moshe, and I'm your paralegal, if I find out that you had a bad day, I can say, hey, Cassidy, you know, or hey, marketing, send him an edible arrangement or send him chocolate without stuff in it. He loves chocolate without stuff in it. Um, so he really did kind of change my mind frame for that. But my answer to that is that it is much more difficult to be an attorney and handle cases and then try to do marketing as well. There has to be an investment, a real investment in marketing, which includes somebody in-house that is dedicated to your marketing. Um, it's one thing that my partners did very well. We, um, we have seven lawyers and we have five marketers here, five full-time marketers here. Um, but having somebody that's just dedicated to thinking about the marketing, because there's so much that can be done. Marketing shouldn't be an afterthought, not if you want uh, to grow your law firm. It can't be an afterthought. It can't be, I have these three cases to work on. Oh, and by the way, let me sit and figure out how I can thank my clients. I get that when you start out, you know, it's difficult and all of that. But I mean, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't trust my plumber to give me open heart surgery. You know what I mean? Like having somebody that no matter how smart they are. And I think that's one thing about attorneys. They're so intelligent. And they could, if they if that's all that they could do, that's all that they did, they could be great marketers possibly. But having somebody in-house that is dedicated to the marketing, can coordinate your vendors, can think of all these ideas, can do all the research, I think is the best move to make. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And and I have, uh, by the way, the, the I have two perfect examples of attorneys who are marketers, but they've, but they're, they're the marketer, they're not the attorney. Right. Seth Price is one of them. He owns yep. Blue Shark Digital. Um, yep. You know, he has a partner who does the legal work. And, right. and now he's got a ton of attorneys working for him too. But when they started, it was him and his partner, and he focused on intake, marketing and sales. And his partner focused on legal, legal delivery. Right. So even though he's, even though he's a, an attorney and he can very well go and practice law, he chose to focus on this side of, of building his, his business. Um, and then the other one is Jordan Ostroff. Um, and again, he's got his wife, who's his partner, and she's focusing on the, the delivery of law and he's focusing on wearing Hawaiian shirts at various <laughs> events. Right. So, um, there are definitely examples of attorneys who have stepped into the marketing role, but that's, that's all they, they do. do. Right. And right. and you will not find a legal event that Seth Price is not attending. Right. But if he was just if he was the lawyer, he wouldn't be able to be out there doing all of that. Right. right. Um, so uh, it's it's a really good point that you're making that you really need to invest in your marketing. And you highlighted that it could be challenging for somebody early in the journey, right? How can you afford a marketer? But notice that Cassidy shared with us that their ratio is almost one-to-one. -one. They almost have one marketer for every attorney in the office. 
which means that if you're the attorney in the office, you should have a marketer, um, you know, side by side with you. Now, I I coach law firms um, and I never looked at it like this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be upfront, transparent with you, Cassidy. I'm not pushing my clients to hire a marketer. So this is new territory for me. And I'm learning as we're having this conversation. Um, and I'm, it's really making me think about whether this is something that I should be considering having them do. But I will tell you that part of the conversation that we have is that of understanding that it costs money to run your firm and to, to build it and grow it. And you have to have the resources to do that. You can't start a firm with $100 because that's how much it costs to create a website, have an email address and a phone line with Zoom and expect that you're going to be in business, right? It's going to be a long, tough road if that's the road you take. Rather, you should go get a loan or take out, take out, you know, you know, uh, uh, take out some money from a savings account, whatever it is and start to invest in, in the growth of your firm from day one. And if you hired a marketing person on day one and you focused on, on delivery of, of legal services, or even more importantly, if you hired a marketing person and an attorney and you focused on relationships and growing the firm that way, um, you can move the needle so much faster. You can, be, I mean, literally in 12 months, you can have, you know, a, a, a 500 to million dollar, 500,000 to million dollar firm, no matter what your practice area, if you fill those two roles on day one, when you started. Yeah. And I really think that there's, there's a, a limiting thinking like this, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Right. You're right. only not ready because your bank account says you're not ready. Right. I, and I think people expect I, I've gotten this call, like like cold calls, like how do I hire you? But I'm like, hi, I'm Cassidy. <laughs> but I've gotten this call and it doesn't. Experience does a lot, but I worked as an intern. I've been a part time marketer. I've gotten paid a lot less. You still have those people that can come in and maybe do 20 hours, maybe do whatever it is, or maybe you find a local marketing person. Because I, I feel even though I was a vendor, I gave my clients a lot of attention um, where it's I, I was what they call the, the IT company. IT world does this a lot, but a partial CMO. And so I would mm -hmm. literally go to my clients offices and work in their office for 10 hours a week. However, it was split up. There are options. You just have to be open to it to say, I can't do all the marketing. I can't. Right. And um, yeah. And, and and especially when you start thinking about all the different things that really need to be done when it comes to marketing. Right. Like if you want to have a, a true presence out there, then you need to be doing all the things right. You need to be having some sort of content strategy. Yeah. You need to have some sort of paid strategy. You need to have some sort of way of starting to rank in SEO and you can't hit all those points points at once. And if you start outsourcing all those to outside agencies, that's also an option, but that's going to cost you a lot of money also. So that's what if you just work. stuck somebody into that role and had them to be doing all the things for you? Um, you know, and, and that I think that's even a lot to ask of, of, of one individual, but it's definitely you'll get a lot more out of one person in house than trying to outsource all of this to to a, a bunch of marketing agencies. I agree. 100% coordinating. If you uh, attempt to get three and four vendors by itself, coordinating them alone is so much. We, we, we work with a good amount of, we work with Blue Shark. We work with a good amount of vendors. 
coordinating them could be a full-time job. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree. It's figuring out what that um, formula for your firm looks like between somebody in-house and vendors and your dedication would be uh, very helpful. Okay. Now I'm curious because you have, you said you have five people on your marketing team. What are they all doing? <laughs> okay. So it's five, including me. So I'm the chief marketing officer. I lead the department. Um, I have a creative coordinator. She is primarily over design, um, videography, photography, and she produces content. Um, I have a digital marketing specialist. He was recently hired about two weeks ago, in part because I was doing a lot of it and my boss wants me to be in front of people. Um, he does social media, a lot of the technical SEO stuff. So we have Blue Shark, but digital is so big that it's important for us to have somebody in-house as well. Um, I have Jimmy, who's our marketing assistant. He handles a good amount of research that we do. I'm a firm believer in research and different, um, we're introducing them to different pieces of marketing. And then I have a director of client services that I talked about earlier that handles um, anytime a client needs a gift, any, any of those things as well as um, she does a lot of the uh, community service coordination. So things that we do out in the community, usually I just show up. She's, you know, done all the legwork to find the organization and all the, all the pieces that go with it. Talk to me about this community involvement. I'm very curious about that because that's something that like a lot of people don't talk about, but it's a huge untapped potential to really get your, your firm out there. Um, I remember sitting at in the seven uh, figure attorney event that Craig put on um, and Craig was up there talking about what they do. And he did this. I don't know if you, you were in the room at the, at that, at that talk where he talked about this box that they give out Um um, I forgot what he calls it. Um, he has a name for it, but anyway, they, they give out this box that has like their, their branded thing that goes in the glove compartment for, for your insurance card. And it, it, um, it has their, their in print and color newsletter that they send out. Um, and it also has like, uh, you know, uh, like a little instruction sheet of how to refer business to our firm. Um, uh, kind of thing. But anyway, during that talk, he, he was giving ideas of how they um, how they interact in the community and how they drum up business. And he said one of the things that they do that you can anybody can think of doing this because it's really a very low cost, high reward um, item is to sponsor a scholarship. Oh, yeah, um, because what happens is, is if you do a scholarship in the, in the community, you have all these kids who apply. Not everyone's going to get the scholarship, but anyone who applies, their parents are actively involved in this process. They are now your firm is visible to them. So it's not it it really doesn't cost a lot to to give, you know, you can give a two thousand dollar scholarship, a five thousand dollar scholarship, but now all of a sudden you've got you know, two, 300 applicants for for one scholarship, or maybe you're giving away a few of them. Um and all of those people are actively engaged in, in, in your firm. You now have their, their mailing address. You can send them stuff. You can, you know, so it's just, a, a, it's one of these like genius moves that, you know, sometimes I'm sitting in the room and I hear, and I hear something like that. And, um, you know, it, one, one of my jobs in supporting law firms and having this podcast and everything is 
to be a curator, right? Like I, I need to take all these different things I hear and have them in my database to throw at somebody when like, oh yeah, this is the perfect thing that you need. Um, so I, my mind was blown when I heard that because I never, I, I would have never in a million years thought of that idea on my own, um, but it's genius. Um, so, so what are you doing in the community? Talk to me about that. Sure. So again, having somebody in house is so helpful. So my partners have always had this heart for giving, um, and didn't, didn't even know how much they were giving and, and not just not like didn't care, but just if somebody was to ask them for money, a church, whatever was here, write them a check. Sure. Absolutely. Any staff member that wants to donate to a community organization, just send the email. Absolutely. Love it. However, there has to be strategy behind it. So there were a few different things that we did. The first is uh, we created a name for it. So it's Cooper Hurley Injury Lawyers Cares, right? So that's all of our branded material. So it doesn't feel cold coming from a law firm, right? There's a cares and a heart, all those things. That's one. We also decided on um, sort of a focus. So our focus is on education and youth-based initiatives, right? And we did that for a few different things. One. Um, in injury law, as you know, anybody can be in a bad accident. We went with our, our natural market are African-American women in one of the cities that were near. Uh, and, I, and I said, well, we got to be mindful. And if you're in marketing, you cannot be afraid to talk demographics. Mm -hmm. But I told my partners, your five old white men, our uh, demo, our natural market are African-American women. Uh, we're not going to pander to them. And they're like, no, we don't want to. So one thing that is all-inclusive are is education and youth-based initiatives like the scholarship we have a few different scholarships but another thing that we focus on is to get in front of influencers right and so it's not just handing a check to that organization um, one of the campaigns that we do um, is called vote for a cause we have vote for a cause and vote for a school and so vote for a cause and it just ended is where we have the community members uh, vote for their favorite community organization. Nothing big, right? So I don't necessarily want these national organizations. I want local organizations. Um, and either from the founder or from the community members, the founder finds out, right? And it, they start to share it on Facebook. It starts to go viral, all the everything in Hampton Roads. And um, this year was our bigger, biggest year it tripled from last year. And why we did that is we want to be in front of the community influencers. The organizations that win have the most support, mm -hmm. right? They have the most support from the community. Genius. These are the people that we want. That's what that's, I want to be in front of the founder and I want to be in front of people that are involved in the community. All of those people have influence and then we dump them into our database and they get marketed too. Um, and we do the same thing for, for vote for a school. One thing for about our scholarships, love the students, we're going to give that money away. But also I want to be in front of the principals. So we make sure I, I try to go meet with as many principals as we can. We do videos with them. They get specific emails, they get phone calls. Being in the community has to have strategy behind it. And there is nothing wrong with just giving money away. But if you're looking to grow your business, if you're looking to grow your law firm, there has to be some strategy behind it. Um, this year we're doing, we're dedicating $100,000 to Hampton Roads. We gave out a little over 100 last year, 
but being able to say, this is what we're doing. You know, we're marketing something that we're already doing. It, it's right. beautiful. The community loves to hear it. Um, so yeah, we, we do a lot. We do a lot. I, and it, it makes it much more impactful when you're able to sum it into a number that makes it much bigger than just, oh, we're, you know, here's a $5,000 scholarship. Right. Here's a $10,000 donation. You know, like th those things are great. But when you add it together and, and say, hey, we're, we're actually giving $100,000 to the community, we're giving back, it, it creates that goodwill, right? It's not just the name. Right. Yeah. Your name is front and center. People know they now know the name of the firm. It's the first thing that comes to mind if they do get into an accident. But they also know that this is a firm that gives back to the community. Who would they rather do business with? Right. Them or somebody else who they have no idea. Like, yeah, the money is going to pay for their yacht. Right. <laughs> right. And, and this might be going to pay for his yacht. I don't know. But it's also going back to the community. Right. 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 Yeah. The humanizing of our attorneys and our, our attorneys are humans. They are real, you know, people that tell all the terrible dad jokes and just all the everything. Um, but it was also part of our bigger campaign from my side, not from their side. They were given from the heart, but from my side to just make sure that people know that, that the clients know that, that Hampton Roads knows that, you know, our attorneys are real people, real regular people. I'm going to switch gears for a second um, and cover a, a question that came up er for me earlier, but it just it popped back into my brain now. Um, and that is, I know that you have a, a whole thing around client services and client services marketing. We discussed the gift giving that you do and all of that. What are you doing specifically to drive, um, to drive ref um, uh, reviews? Um, like on Google and stuff like that, uh, that for a lot of law firms, that really makes a difference of what, why somebody would pick up the phone and call them versus somebody else. Um, and also you have, I think, seven locations, um, eight. eight locations, seven plus your, 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 your headquarters. Um, each location has its own reviews, right? So, so how, how do you navigate that? Do you put any focus on it? Um, what's, what's the strategy or plan there? And, and is that something that, that anybody listening can, can incorporate and do? Sure. So having eight locations is definitely a hurdle um, where a competitor may have 500 reviews at one location. We'll have 201, 300 at another, 100 at a different one. It's a hurdle. So I'm big on, what's the quote? Uh, what you measure gets managed. Is that the quote? <laughs> and so I, I, may, I may be misquoting it, but it, it, it's just the idea that if you begin to measure it, it will grow. Mm -hmm. And so we have a review board and this was my boss's idea, the review board. We always measured how many reviews we got, but we have a review board and it has its, every legal team, how many cases they closed and how many, how many reviews they got for the month. Um, and their goal is to get 65% of reviews from the cases they closed, right? Uh, and we have, a, again, one thing that is missed in marketing sometimes is, is a system. So we have a very uh, simple system, I think. So when cases get closed, uh, if, the, if the clients come to pick up the check, my director of client services pops in and says, hey, would you like to leave us a review? nine times out of 10, they say yes. Um, and so she'll tell them to go to, uh, one thing that you, that law firm should do is create a 
domain. So don't have them, don't try to walk them through going to your Google My Business. Have something that pops up with all five stars and all they have to do is type. So we have cooperhurleyreviews.com and reviewcooperhurley.com that go to one of our Google My Businesses. She'll tell them to go to cooperhurleyreviews.com and she'll say, hey, leave us five stars if you like and just tell us why, why you love us. Let's say that check gets mailed. Well, that same director of client services calls them about the time that the check arrives. Um, if they don't answer or don't leave a review right then, she sends them a text message a week later. If they don't reply then, then she sends them an email. And then every six months, we look at all the people that still hadn't left a review in the last six months, and then they get called, text messaged, and emailed again. Uh, we also encourage the staff to put it at the bottom of emails. If a client is just really happy, you know, you can say, hey, they, that, that's everything to me that you feel that way. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to have somebody from my marketing team hop on the phone and tell you how you can leave us a review. My boss will see it. It means everything. Um, we do have a review contest I'm sure everyone has heard about, all of those things, but we just have built a, a, a very um, simple system around it to make sure. And we get, um, we get usually about 50 to 60% of cases we close, we get reviews on. Do you always wait for the case to close before you ask for the review? Because there's so many opportunities in the client engagement process where the client is just thrilled with the service they're getting, the communication they're getting. Like at different points, the client has this moment of euphoria about their relationship with you. Are you harnessing that and, and trying to get the review early rather than waiting for the case to close? The system is built around when the case closes or when, when the when this when they're told the settlement right because that's the one time we can guarantee that euphoric moment mm -hmm. however it is still encouraged that that legal teams ask for a review or tell us to ask for a review throughout the case mm -hmm. the system like i said the system is built around that but i agree um that it could be, you know, when they get those gift boxes, sometimes they'll call and thank the legal team member. There are, you know, 30 instances where all of it matters. We'll tell the legal teams if a client replies to an email and tells them that they're amazing, reply back, listen, thank you so much. Again, my boss would love to see that. If you could go to cooperreviews.com and say it, that'd be great. But I agree with you. I, I really do. Yeah, awesome. Um and you have this domain name that you're sending them to behind the scenes. Is this domain name automatically rotating between the, the locations? Like how, how do you, how are you getting the eight locations to get these reviews? So we switch it out every month. So our Virginia beach location is tied to our LSAs. So that one Cooper Hurley reviews stays there. Reviewcooperhurley.com um, rotates every month or every other month to a different location. And uh, we have to be mindful of it because you don't want, it could be six months, seven months before a location gets a review. What I have found is that every month, all of them get something because the client will know how to do a Google review and they'll just Google us and the closest one will pop up. Mm -hmm. So we're mindful of that as well. Yeah, I've heard from from marketers that um, the velocity of the reviews has a lot to do with the algorithm also. So you have to be mi mindful and careful about not dumping too many reviews on one location um, too quickly 
um, and, and not, and then going dormant for a while. Um, so it's interesting that you have this cadence of one or two months, uh, before you switch it to the next site and that that's working for you. That's good information to know. Um, because you know, when, when I'm thinking, I hear somebody say that I'm thinking like, oh, you know, it needs to be like, we have to get one review every few days. It's not really, we're not talking about in days, we're talking about months and, and, and things like that um, is the, is the time frame that, that you want to see that happening. Um, and uh, yes, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, unfortunately, we're almost out of time and this is just such a great conversation. And there's, we've learned, so, I've learned so much from, uh, from everything that you've shared. Um, one thing that, um, that stuck out in my mind when uh, Craig Goldenfarb um, did his did his his uh, uh, seven figure uh, attorney event, and apparently I'm, I'm doing a lot of promoting for Craig today on his <laughs> his event. But one of the things that he talked about was how he incentivized his staff by getting a food truck to come into the to you know to the office and 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 just provide food for everybody and he said it's amazing you know the food truck cost him like five grand and it's amazing how much they're willing to do to be able to get that food truck um do you have incentives for the team to meet these these criteria to meet the reviews or to do other things um that they get rewarded on and and what are you doing uh as that incentive like what are you providing as a reward so yes, we have different contests in house. Most of the time, we give money, and mm-hmm. we, that came from from doing our employee surveys and, and saying the gift card is nice, but I just like cold hard cash. Mm-hmm. Um, we do do. I'm also the person. I'm well, I'm on the man the leadership team as well, sort of my other duty other than CMO, and I've been tasked un- unofficially tasked with handling a lot of the company culture events. So we'll do something like a thank you. We have a thank you party mid-year every year where we bring a food truck and we'll play um, the settlement is right. I make up these really corny, really terrible games and the unsung legal hero award and different things. So we definitely have contests that help them um, reach these goals. And then we also have a bonus structure um, that is unofficially tied to making sure that they, everybody meets their goals every month. Got it. Um, one thing that was interesting, um, in a conversation that I had with Molly Hall, uh, from hiring and empowering solutions, um, she said that, uh, and, and it's interesting cause you surveyed your staff and they said that they want cold, hard cash. Um, what she said was that, that, uh, you, you can't assume what makes your people tick? She had a client that thought that they, in order to incentivize their staff to meet certain goals, that they would have to provide a significant amount of money because you can't give, you can't give a small amount of money, right? Like if you give too little, then it's, it's almost like, well, this, you know, this is more like a slap in the face than a reward. Right. Mm -hmm. So they, they thought that they, that there was a lot of money that they had to tie to this. And, but when they, they, they survey, survey the team, the team said that what they wanted as their incentive primarily was time off. What they wanted was to have half a Friday in the summer, right? Like give us, give us half day Fridays for the summer uh, as a, as a reward. Um, so I think that it's important that, that people don't forget, like when you do incentives, it could be financial, it could be 
there are other things you can provide like time um, or perks at the office, like food trucks or parking spots or, you know, um, gym memberships. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do where it's no longer tied to a dollar amount, but, it, and you're, you're doing some, a thing or an experience instead. Um, so I love this, the idea of thinking about giving away days, right? Like, okay. You know, if you re- reach this, um, you know, this, uh, this metric or whatever, you're going to get an extra three vacation days to, to use throughout the year, whenever you want. Um, and then, you know, although that has a monetary value, it's, it's a lot less palatable to the person that it's like, oh, they're giving me money. Um, but it, but they, they're going to know those three days when they have them. Right. 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 So, right. Yeah. So it's it just some, some, some ideas for our listeners on, on other things that you can do. Uh, but I love that you do have that, that uh, mid-year thank you party. I love that. And I love this, this idea that, you know, um, uh, the owner of the firm wants to be known as the thank you firm. Oh, yeah. um, I think it's, it, it, it speaks to uh, what his primary love language is. Um, <laughs> if you know the book, the five love languages, um, and then there's a business version of that book. Uh, but it's important to know what your language is because you might not, you might not relate to this whole thank you culture, uh, you know, that, that, that he's running with his firm, but know what yours is right? and, and dive into that, make that what your firm is known for attend a coaching session with one of our coaches. And you can get there at profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. So I invite you to take advantage of that. Um, there's really no strings attached, even though there is an opportunity to join our program at the end. Um, there's no, there's, there's no pressure. There's no obligation. We're not a high pressure sales team. If it's for you, great. If not also great. So, um, take advantage of that free coaching session, uh, and go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. This has been, this has been a great conversation. I, I don't know what, why didn't I invite you onto the show when I was sitting next to you? Maybe I did. Maybe I that's how we got connected. I don't know. I don't know, Moshe. I don't know. <laughs> but we did it now. We did it now. All right. When we wrap up the show, what I like to do is I like to ask you to leave one lasting piece of advice to our listeners. So, um, and then after that, if they want to get in touch with you, if you want to share any sort of contact information, or if they want to refer a case to you, um, you know, uh, how would they do that? Uh, we'd love to, to, to help you or, or, and, or help them in the process. Okay. So my one piece of advice is going to be a reiteration of what we talked about throughout. And that would be to take the leap and hire um, an internal marketing person. Um, Figure out what it is that you need the most, figure out what it is that could free up your time the most and look for a marketer that has that skill set. If you'd like to get in touch with me, especially for referrals, absolutely. We give outstanding referral fees. Give me a call at 757-333-3333. If you ever want to talk marketing shop, I love this stuff. I'll be at Pilma next week uh, talking marketing strategy. Um, I do travel to different conferences. I'll be at Seven Figure Attorney next year with my most hated Duke friend, Craig. Um, I'm a UNC fan. But you can also email me at clewis at cooperhurley.com. I'm always willing to, like I said, talk shop, take questions, all that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And um, Cassidy, 
uh, I am sure that we're going to be seeing more of you, whether it's a repeat episode, you know, a, a sequel to the episode uh, or as a speaker at our Law Firm Growth Summit. Uh, really excited to have met you uh, today. And um, this has just been a fun conversation. And I think our listeners uh, will love it. And right now they're at the end of this episode. I think that they did love it. Um, <laughs> folks, if you go to the the, the show notes page, profitwithlaw.com, you will find all the resources that were mentioned, including uh, Cassidy's phone number. You can call her, refer cases to her, pick her marketing brain, whatever it is that you want. She's, she's given it. It's going to be out there in the internet for anybody to find. Um, but we really do appreciate uh, appreciate her time today. And since you loved this episode, if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you get notified every time we release a new episode. And, and do one thing. Tell a friend. Share this episode with one person. One person that you said, hey, if... I love this. I think so-and-so is going to love this too. Just send them a quick text. There's a little, like in your podcast player, there's a little upload button. You can just click that and text it to somebody, send them the link. If each person who listens to this sends it to uh, to one person, that can have a massive effect on the what the time we just spent together to to create this for you on how many more people we can we can help in the process and cassidy has really shared some awesome stuff so uh we'd love it if you would share it as well thank you so much take care we'll see you uh next week thank you have you been enjoying the show we sure hope so to make sure you never miss an episode be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.